What if you grew up in a belief system that told you everything around you was an illusion? What if you were told everything that happened to you, from being sick to stubbing a toe to being bullied at school, was your fault for not knowing the truth? What if you were denied even the most basic health care, from pain pills to checkups to vaccinations? How do you unravel yourself from this belief system? And what happens when you do? My name is Hillary Alexander, and this is Leaving Christian Science. Welcome to Leaving Christian Science. Uh, my guest today is Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> and um, she's going to tell us her story of, of growing up in and leaving Christian Science. So why don't you start with your background, your family history? How far back does Christian Science go for your people? I'm actually third generation. Um, my grandfather... Um, converted my grandmother mm. um and and i've often wondered if my grandfather they he was actually a, a celebrity in california and i know um back then uh and it would have been in the you know 30s and 40s christian science was heavily recruiting celebrities um so i don't know if he was um for lack of a better word a victim of that <laughs> you know um, or not. I, I, I've always been curious how, because I don't, I, I think I've been told the story, but I don't remember it, um, of how, how he came into Christian science. Yeah, every time um, I hear about um, how active Hollywood types were, and probably still are in Christian science in those days, I think that's just like Scientology, like they've, they were yes. actively pursued, you know, yes. these well-regarded people to make their belief seem more yeah. plausible and and palatable yeah interesting and i and i know that the there were a number of celebrities that you know um came to christian science through my grandfather and that they um you know there were a number of them that attended the churches there in southern california um so yeah it was very interesting so my dad and his sister grew up in christian science and um my mom um uh and and I and I should say before I continue that that my my mom and dad are still around and and they're wonderful people and inspired people and really intelligent people like many christian scientists are they're very intellectual they're very well educated and I respect the heck out of them and so I I almost hesitated to come on because I would you know, hate for anyone to think that I think anything other than they're amazing. Um, so I'm going to preface all that, you know, all this with that. Um, they have what what they feel is a very sweet story about because um, my mom asked my dad because she she was the child of a pharmacist. Mm. So she, you know, was not uneducated in the area of of medicine. And um, in fact, a lot of her family were pharmacists. Um, but he, she asked him, you know, what are you going to do if one of your kids breaks a leg? And he said, I'll teach you how to have children that don't break their legs. Which speaks to kind of the um, the way that Christian science draws people in. Like, oh, this world where everything is sunshine and rainbows and nothing ever goes wrong. Um, the sad thing about that is I did break bones, but they were so in their own world that they didn't even know I broke bones. 
And now I'm only finding out later that some of the disabilities that I'm struggling with now are because I'll get an x-ray done and they'll be like, oh, have you ever broken this? I'm like, ha, 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 that's what that was. And I was wow. a child and it was, and it was neglected. Yeah. And, and, it, and I, and I know if my parents heard this now, they would be horrified because they would never do that to me on purpose. Of course. Yeah. But that's how strong the hold of Christian science is on people because very loving, caring people are so caught up in the sunshine and rainbows that they don't see what's right in front of their face. You know? Yeah. And especially if you don't, I mean, obviously your mother had a medical background. Yeah. If you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. Like my dad had no way of knowing. He had no way of knowing. Yeah. I wouldn't know what a broken oh, God, bone no. looks like. I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> no. No, exactly. Yeah, and I think it's important to to state that people who have beliefs like this mm-hmm. are not stupid. <laughs> no, no. You know? I think the the technical term would be ignorant. They're, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that happens even outside of of, you know, Christian science and, yeah. you know, I think it's important to say that that all cults which the um, majority of people in the world recognize Christian science as being, but, but all, even all religions, they, they all have places where they have, you know, great thought processes and things that serve people really well. That's what draws people in. But then there's some very insidious pieces that sneak their way in the back door. And that's what we're talking about. And everybody compartmentalizes. It's not just, just in, in religion that that happens, um, but, but it's a primary area that it happens, you know, and, and in Christian science, that compartmentalization is so dangerous because it's in the area of health. Mm-hmm. So it kills people. Yeah. Literally. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. did you feel like your parents were able to be emotionally there no, for you? No, and that's the other, that's the other, they are now. I think they've grown in that area and I've been really impressed by that. But, um, and don't get me wrong. My, my parents are very compassionate, loving people, but be, but Christian science told them that the way you, you, we weren't allowed to experience anything other than happy and everything else, instead of being validated, which is, healthy you're like oh i understand why you're sad you know what i mean um you're given the the dialogue and 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 my dad for example he he's also he's second generation right so he was also never given those tools right he was also never um taught how to you know grieve effectively how to to have difficult feelings and and use words that's the other thing they redefine all these words and you're not allowed to talk about certain things and when when I say allowed they don't say you're not allowed to talk about this what they do is they say you you this is the way you have to think and this is the way you have to talk and by definition everything else is not allowed they don't say it but by definition everything else isn't so so here you are with this very high bar of perfection. Literally, that's the word that they use, right? Harmony is perfection. So any experience less than perfection, you have to correct in your mind, right? So so I was delivered that 
and and they were doing it as a favor to me like who doesn't want their child to have a perfect life right so that's why it spoke to them they want me to have this perfect wonderful life so every time i came to them which is daily right you're a child you know daily you have these moments that aren't perfect of course we all do right but instead of allowing to have that moment and learn as a child the language that you need to talk about them, to have real moments, to have real feelings, you're required to twist all that into something that is perfect, right? So, so yeah, I mean, unbeknownst to them, as they were trying to lead me to this wonderful existence, I was being invalidated every day of my life all of my feelings, anything other than happiness was, was completely invalidated. And as a result, I, I grew into a very confused adult um, who had no skills on how to communicate about difficult things. And as a result, I was bullied because I was the weird kid because I couldn't communicate, right? You know, and I, and I did end up in some very dysfunctional relationships um, because I because anything other than perfection was a complete surprise to me, you know? Um, and so it, it took a lot of years to understand how the world really worked because I wasn't given those tools on how to engage in a real way, real problems, right? I had to deny all of them instead of actually engage them in a real way. Yeah, so. I think... Um... It's come up here before, but I think it, it needs to be stated again and again how a belief system like Christian science really sets everybody up for the potential for getting involved in really abusive, controlling relationships. I know I had a couple of those when I was a young woman, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and would I have ended up in those relationships without Christian science? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I was young. You tend to yeah. get involved I mean, in it's, things it's that aren't really great, luck. but yeah. I think I stuck with them. And I remember the justifications that I would make were very Christian science-y, you know, and I, I, I'd like to believe that I would have exited and freed myself sooner if it hadn't been for already being in this mindset of only seeing the good and the sort of magical thinking of like, oh, I'm supposed to be with this person. This is where I need to thinking be. All I this can nonsense. heal it in some weird way. Yeah. Yeah, healing what? it in some way, feeling <laughs> feeling also like in any abusive relationship where you're always at fault. Yeah, and I think and yeah, I want to make make be very clear. I don't think Christian Science put me in those relationships. That's delusional. You know, it it it, it I ended up there, and like you say, it can happen to anyone. I mean, all of the authoritative literature on those subjects points to that. That, and I should say, I have a master's in psychology. I was a counselor now right? <laughs> that was my way of learning how to do this, right? Um, you know, there there is a lot of research that says anyone can end up in that position, you know, no matter how capable they are, uh, it sneaks up on everybody. Um, no one goes into one on purpose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hmm. Um, but uh, as far as like you're saying, the tools on board to recognize it, um, you know, that, like you said, Christian science um, intentionally puts you at as a disadvantage. You're not allowed to recognize, you can recognize a problem, but the ability to recognize that it's not solvable, you're not allowed to believe that it's not solvable. 
you you are given this really really dysfunctional um belief that everything in the world is solvable and you are required to solve all of it all the time i mean even world peace is you know because our head is in the in the right place and if and if my head was in the right place i would experience world peace that's the crazy thing you know and and so yeah so like you're saying so so abusers i think a lot of them they they see that in us and they're like oh there's someone who already believes everything is their fault ha perfect mate right and of course when they go oh it's all your fault you go yeah it is mm-hmm. right you're right i do need to get my head in the right place and if i just did that everything would be fine because <laughs> yeah. that's what we were taught from birth <laughs> yeah and that's definitely a, a classic abuse victim thing is like if i yeah. just did this yeah it would be okay and the bad things would stop happening if i were just good enough if i were just sweet enough if i were just loving enough he wouldn't be like this right and and the sad and the unfortunate thing is and again all belief systems have their weaknesses okay i'm not meaning to go oh christian science but but this is the the weakness that Christian science has is that it, it sets you up for that type of thinking in all circumstances, even where it's not warranted, you know, because obviously there are situations where if we, you know, s- switch a, a, you know, a, a switch in our brain and it, it would be fine because we are just all up in our head, right? But that's not always the case. And Christian science teaches you it's always the case, even if you have the measles, even if you have an infection, even if, you know, someone else is being a dick, it's all my fault. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. And that's that's the thing that gets so confusing is like, I think it's a good quality to be the kind of person that looks to yourself and says, well, maybe I contributed to this in some way, or maybe blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not a bad impulse. No, it's a tremendous strength, which is why people like that about Christian science, because you really do know how to to get your head in a good space. And and Christian scientists are wonderfully optimistic. (laughs) And that's the reason they tend to be very hard workers and great employees, and because they, they do double down on getting it right and that's great right I have that skill and I love my family for that I love my parents for that I'm glad I got that out of Christian scientist science but I'm also glad I'm seeing (laughs) where that can go awry yeah I mean I feel like I definitely got a certain tenacity from this belief system and a certain work ethic and I'm I'm grateful for both of those things I wish I'd gotten those things from something else, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah. 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 So I I definitely relate to, you know, many of us on here have talked about how, unfortunately, I don't know if it's a direct effect or just some odd side effect of the Christian science belief system that causes parents to not be responsive to their children's emotional needs and that's very destructive. I mean, for me, I didn't yeah. have major medical issues, thank goodness. So mm-hmm. that wasn't a thing for me as a child. But the emotional shutting down, the the neglect of my experience, basically, you know, was, was very yeah. damaging. Yeah, they... And don't get me wrong, my my parents did talk to me about things. And there were some things that, you know, my parents said to me that were tremendously helpful, you know, they because they were they did try to be helpful. And they were wonderful people, like I said. Um, But, but they, 
the um, the challenge was again no language for the negative, you know, no no validation of of the negative, and um, going into an adult life unable. Like for example, if someone says, "How are you doing?" in a healthy and, and someone who truly wants to know, not just a social, "Hey, how are you?" You know what I mean? But in like you know a close friend who's like, "How are you doing?" I still, and I'm in my fifties, and I've been out of Christian Science for you know forty years. Be I I have a hard time knowing how to effectively communicate you know like I had cancer you mm. know and I have heart issues and and my friends want to know that and they want to know how I'm doing but like with my family I can't even say that I, it, I'm not technically like if I when I say that word they cringe you know because I've because, and a lot, some people listening to this podcast may not know that, like, for example, the fact that I'm talking about this right now, it would terrify a Christian science listening to this, because I just put the word out into the world, and that belief creates cancer. Right. So by them just hearing it, they could get it. Yep. They believe that, for example, my belief in it gave it to me. Yeah, which is absurd because people all over the world believe in it and don't get it. It's ridiculous, but that's what they believe. So, so you know, I felt it was my duty because, like, you know, my family, my entire, uh, you know, in, um, immediate family is still in Christian Science. I it I felt like it would be totally irresponsible for them not to, for me not to tell them what was going on, but it had to be one sentence. Like, hey, you know, I, I know you may not want to hear this. Like, so I prefaced it in case they want to, uh, 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 you know. <laughs> but but I thought you should know that I have breast cancer. Wow. But that's all I could say. Do you know what I mean? I can't discuss it. I can't go into detail. I, I can't, you know, if they ask me how I'm doing, I tell them, again, one sentence. I have to limit it. And I had to teach my kids that, too. If you're really not feeling good and grandma and grandpa ask you how you're doing, you can tell them honestly, but you need to make it short. Because they, because you can see them, they physically recoil. Yeah. Right? What was the response when you told them? Um, It was over the phone. I don't remember because again, they, they didn't, they, we didn't talk about it. You know, like, for example, if I say it to, um, I hate to say a normal person, but, you know, <laughs> so a non-Christian scientist, if I say that to them, they'll go, oh my gosh, how are you doing? What stage is it? Like, what's your treatment? You know what I mean? They ask you questions, but with my family, they, they don't, they say like, thanks for telling us or something like that. You know what I mean? And that's, that's it. Yeah. Change the um, subject. Yeah, and if if God forbid, I I know a health thing about them, and they, and and I talk about it, they get really upset. You know, I'm not, um, you know, I wish I could go into more detail, but just out of respect for them, I I don't feel I should. You know, um, it's just really, it's it it makes me sad because I would like to have a a closer, real again. You know, I'd like to be able to share my challenges and problems with my family, but 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 it would it would hurt them mm -hmm. 
you know, and I don't, I don't want to cause them mental anguish. You know, I don't want to make them afraid. And the biggest thing I think of, of that, about that, and maybe this is going down a Christian science rabbit hole, but it talks, it goes, speaks to the whole mental fuckery <laughs> whole thing is that they call it mental malpractice, which is bad mental thought. And I don't believe it can make them sick, but they believe it can make them sick. So who's the one that has, is committing the mental malpractice? Yeah. Excellent. You know, they're the one that believes in mental malpractice, but they're the ones that have all of these goofy beliefs when none of the rest of us think that. It's so ironic to me. I can't even, makes me crazy. Yeah. I mean, that was a hundred percent. The reason my mother and I stopped talking was because she told me not to come see her because I was going to make her sick. Just my very presence. (laughs) Oh my God. And and that's my biggest fear too, actually just talking to you today is I'm afraid that that could happen. You know, that that could happen. That my, if my family heard this, that they would, that they would and because I'm saying they would stop talking to me, they wouldn't stop talking to me because out of love, they would continue talking to me, but it would be very awkward and it would mm-hmm. be, it would be so hard. And we just spent a lot of years. Um, we have a wonderful relationship now. We spent a lot of years rebuilding it because when I left, it was very hard for them to, because they, you know, all, yeah, I try to speak Christian science when I'm around them because they speak a different language. People don't realize that they redefine words. So you have to use the right words to like, if I want to express a normal, you know, something is beautiful. I use, I have, they use different words for that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a whole language. Yeah, it is. So I, I try to, um, yeah, speak their language when I'm with them out of, out of respect. And because I want to actually communicate with them, they don't, you know, speaking there it's like if you're talking to someone who speaks French you're going to speak French because you want them to understand you yeah it's it's the same thing and that's the thing like as caring empathetic people we don't want to make the people around us especially our loved ones uncomfortable no (laughs) we want them to be happy and feel good around us and yeah and I don't want them to be fearful I don't want them to think like you said I'm going to make them sick like I the last time I saw my aunt who is very dear to me um i i love her like a sister um my i went through was going through a really challenging time in my second marriage and she found out about it and she was was supposed to come and see me and she refused to come because it wasn't the kind of environment she felt would be conducive to her mental health you know and i've never seen her since wow okay and that was 20 years ago. Ugh. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, I mean, and I, I do, um, you know, now she's going through a challenging time. And so I, I, you know, I go and see her now, but, um, but it wasn't voluntary. I'll leave it at that. Cause you know, I don't, again, I don't want to get into something that would upset, make my family upset by talking about it. But um, let's just say the reason I'm talking to her isn't because she, reached out to me (laughs) you know um yeah 
Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I'm sorry that happened to you, but I'm also feeling a little validated right now. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, I'm yeah. not the only person that had a relative say, you can't be near me because you're toxic. You know, oh, absolutely. And that is a really, it's, it's sick, but it's, it's a side effect of that crazy mindset where you think that thoughts can cause you physical harm which is ironic because they tell you that they believe that the physical world isn't real. So again, it's self-contradictory. Yeah. And that goes, I think would go to another reason why I left, but we can get to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you know. so fascinating how many groups and belief systems have that same thing of you have to remove yourself from the bad influence, the SP, the, you know, excommunicated person, and it and it often isn't just because they're a bad influence. It's it's this belief in like this energy that will somehow it's, attack you. Yeah, it's you know? it's very sad. Yeah, even in the born again community, I've seen that happen. Where and, and and what makes me the most sad about it, and I really wish that more religious circles and some do really embrace like, hey, if someone's having a hard time, we need to circle the wagons and help this person. So there are a lot of religions that do that very well. Yeah. But there are other religions that when they see someone having a really hard time, um, that that, you know, I, I call it adding insult to injury <laughs> where where they. It's funny because they don't they don't physically say this is your fault but all of their actions and their responses say if you were a better person this wouldn't be happening to you you know if you had your head in the right place this wouldn't be happening to you you know this is all of your problems even if they have you know are completely circumstantial there was nothing you could have done to avoid this it's still all your fault you know, if you were a better Christian, if you were a better Christian scientist, if you, you know, if you, none of this would have happened to you. And therefore, I don't want it to rub off on me. So yeah, you're, you're, you know, unintentionally or intentionally shunned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what happened with our relationship with my, me and my mother was that I'd had this series of unfortunate events, just random crimes and car accidents and things like that. And you know, for the bajillionth time going to my mother stupidly for empathy and or comfort and instead you like getting a normal person. Yeah. And instead <laughs> getting, you know, but she wasn't so much blaming me. She wasn't saying like, well, it's something you're not doing. No. It was more just that uh, she had advanced to this point of, well, you know, because you've been exposed to this truth, you're a target. Mm. So there's, you know, there are these forces out to get you because you know too much, pretty much. You didn't put it quite like that, but that was mm -hmm. the implication was that these things are happening. It wasn't just, wow, what a what a crappy series of events. That sucks. That's way too much to all happen at once. It yeah. was, this is happening purposefully against I, you. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a family member and I'm not going to say who because she would be very upset. Um, she may not even remember doing it, but she... I can't remember the exact words that she used, some Christian science word salad, as us ex-Christian scientists like to call it. And it was before um, she went through some hard things later in her life, but at that time she hadn't gone through them yet. Yeah. So she was being very, she was trying to be very loving to my children, like Christian scientists are, and told them, and this was just after my divorce, uh -oh. <laughs> that if 
if they held the right thoughts, that they would always have wonderful relationships with men. And I took her aside and I said, you may not say things like that to my yeah. children because it implies that the reason that I had a difficult relationship is because I wasn't holding the right thoughts. And that's not true. It is not okay for you to indirectly tell my children I'm a bad person. Yep. Good for you. <laughs> that is not acceptable behavior. Yeah. <laughs> we'll not be having that. <laughs> and meanwhile, she gave them a science and health behind my back. But, but I know out of the kindness of her heart, right? All, you know, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, so destructive. Yeah. That's the messed up part is, is it comes from a good place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. being so lovely and telling you you're a piece of dirt. <laughs> yeah. But in such a loving way. <laughs> that's right. Because I love you. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to tell gosh. you what a sinner you are without using the term sin. Oh, yeah. So we don't oh, sound yeah, like those sin, other Yeah, sin, disease, and religions. death aren't real. <laughs> yeah. But meanwhile, you're doing everything wrong. Did I mention that? Yeah. <laughs> God. So, yeah, definitely um, tell us about your leaving. How how was that? When did that happen? And It kind of happened organically. I didn't do it on purpose. Um, I didn't stay on purpose. Um, I just kind of stopped going. I, um, so in Christian science, for those who don't know, um, you're allowed to go to Sunday school until you're 18. And I did, you know, I had a love hate relationship with Sunday school. I, I've always been very, uh, intellectual. Um, you know, I, I did end up getting my, my PhD in, in metaphysics. So mm -hmm. I've studied world religions okay. um, for many years. Um, and in fact, I had an Asian studies minor as, as when I was doing my BA. And um, I just I just love all that stuff. So I loved getting in 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 discussions and, and Christian science is a very intellectual religion. They do want you to spend a lot of time thinking deeply about how to be perfect. Um, <laughs> not about negative things, but just being perfect. And um, so I love those discussions with, with Sunday school teachers, but I think the first signs were I also took great joy in making Sunday school teachers cry. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened while I was at Prynne, which is a, a Christian science high school. And my dad went to Prynne too, by the way. So um I was why I went. And the other reason is, again, I was a very strong-minded person. I was thrilled to be leaving home. It's a boarding school. I just thought the thought of that independence was so exciting to me. Um, and my mom, bless her heart, didn't want me to go. She wouldn't let me unenroll from my local high school until until after I was already at Prince. Mm. <laughs> so so they they didn't. My mom didn't want me to leave. Um, bless her heart. Um, well, my dad had gone there, so you know they, he knew it was great, and and they did give me a great um, a great education. Um, but even my parents would say the environment there, as far as the um, administration, was terrible. It was terrible because again, you had to be perfect, and everything had to be perfect, 
and like um if you were legitimately sick you had to be dramatically sick as in put on an act <laughs> just to be able to take a break from classes you know what i mean you had to really ham it up for somebody to just be able to lay in your bed and you weren't allowed to just lay in your bed you had to read the bible and science and health all day long that's what was expected of you and if they walked in and you weren't <laughs> big trouble you know what i mean you either had to be doing that or sleeping um because that was how you were going to get better right because they don't believe in medicine um you had if you you had to get your head in the right place and that's what would make you better right so that's why you had to be reading those books all day long um so it was a really intense in that regard because you everything was expected to perfect perfect actions perfect everything and 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 that includes following all the rules even when they were being completely ridiculous and referring back to the making Sunday school teachers cry comment if someone had a ridiculous rule I was the kind of child that would point it out um, <laughs> much to the chagrin of administrators so I was did not make make a lot of friends there although I was salutatorian when I graduated mm. so I had that going for me um, which ironically means that I gave the chapel speech Okay, so I was the one, the valedictorian gives the valedictorian speech at graduation and the salutatorian gives the chapel speech. So they talk about Christian science to everybody <laughs> and, you know, make some great spiritual whatever, whatever. And I did, you know, amusingly, I did love doing that too. I mean, yeah. ergo, I guess the PhD in metaphysics. I did love thinking about religion and spiritual ideas and things like that. Um, so I did love, go, I did go, to, even in college, I did go periodically, you know, not regularly to Sunday school because I, I loved it. Like I said, I loved to have those discussions. But when I had to go to church, and again, to people who don't know about Christian science, they it's not like where most churches, even even temple, you know, for Jews. It's, I mean, it's I I find going to stuff like that interesting because you have a pastor who's there who actually like talks about stuff, so you get to hear how someone thinks about a topic, which is fascinating to me. Even if I think they're full of crap, it's fascinating <laughs> to hear what they think, right? Yeah. But in Christian Science, you go in and all they do is read the Bible and read the Science and Health. You're not hearing anyone's opinion except for Mary Baker Eddy's, and she did that intentionally because yeah. there was a time in the beginning of the religion where they were allowed to talk about what they thought, and she went, oh, God, there are people becoming more interesting than me. Big problem. Change the rules. Not allowed to do that anymore. So, so boring. So boring. <laughs> it was nearly boring. impossible yeah. <laughs> to not fall asleep. Yeah. It was just painful so painful so you know i stopped going i mean i would go you know with my my family once in a while when i'd come home just to be fun to be around <laughs> you know i mean everyone else is going so i'll go with you in fact there were a few times that my kids went to sunday school i always found it very touch very telling that I, they'd come back and I go, so how was it? I was a little afraid, to be honest, that they were in there because I was afraid they'd like pick up some idea that was really insidious and would cause them harm. Um, but they'd always come back and go, 
he was weird. <laughs> I'm like, phew. Okay. That's probably like, what oh, my kids good. would say. They so just be like, what... it was weird, and then move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just it was strange. Like, oh, that's what happens when you haven't been raised in it. You go, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was a relief. But so, so... I stopped going because I, I couldn't have those converse, interesting conversations anymore. Um, and the other big reason was twofold. Um, as you know, but listeners wouldn't know, um, there was a large epidemic um, in at Principia. And, and there's, a, there's a high school and there's a college. Um, and there's also, uh, you know, under classmen that are below that too but the boarding schools are are high school and college primarily um and a few middle schoolers and um there was a, a measles epidemic um in the in the mid 80s and i was there at that time and um in fact ironically um my mom and so i could go to a, a college interview actually wrote it had to have been the state because it was a state imposed um, uh, quarantine where we weren't allowed to leave campus because of this, this outbreak. And um, my mom wrote a letter to someone saying that I had been in a, in an epidemic when I was a child and therefore I was probably immune. So it was safe for me to leave. Hmm. And so I was allowed to leave, leave the campus. I think the other reason I was allowed to leave probably is I don't think the measles ever actually came to the high school campus, but they quarantined us just in case because they knew none of us were immunized. And, and it, and it did, it killed three people mm. on the college campus. And I remember, even though I didn't know any of the people who, who passed away, um, it affected me. Um, it's funny, I'm getting a little choked up just thinking about it. Um, thinking about these kids that were just a year or two older than me. I mean, these were, these were effectively children, you know. Um, I think at least one of the people who died was, was 20, but still they were effectively children dying for no goddamn reason, you know, no reason, um, it it was devastating to me. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand knowing that there's a solution to that, insisting on solving it another way. And and the solution, you know, I I just I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around it. And you know, there's a lot of people who have a lot of discussions about that, but but you know, again, you know, I I've had to take statistics so many times for my multiple degrees that at this point I'm like, hey, the statistics are pretty clear. You know, get your get your immunizations. Yes, there are risks, but for God's sake, if a doctor tells you that it's going to solve the problem, you know, there are some people who shouldn't. I understand that. I'm not being ridiculous here, um, but for people who can, please, you know, we're talking about saving lives and yeah. and a lot of lives and. These are children. They're children. And on that note, um, another thing that powerfully affected me was um, another death uh, while I was at Prynne. Um, 
there was a group of kids who went on a field trip to Mexico. It was a spring break thing, like, oh, the Spanish class is going to Mexico. Yay, right? And it should have been a really fun, joyous thing. A week after they returned, one of my classmates was dead. Hmm. And, you know, I don't know what it was, but because no one does, you know, she wasn't allowed to go to the doctor. And this, this girl, someone that I was in, was in all my classes because she was an honor student and as was I. So we were both in all these classes together from the time I was a freshman. I think it happened our junior year. Um, so, you know, for three years, I had been like, you know, spent eight hours a day with this person. Um, I missed her. Mm. Um, you know, she wasn't a close friend, but her her absence was palatable. And, and, and palpable, what's the word? But um, I mean, it was just, it was very, very profound. And um, now they have a scholarship in her name, it just makes me disgusted. I mean, that's, you know, wonderful, but you know, it would have been even more wonderful. He just took her to the fucking doctor. You know, I have this image in my mind because when I was sick, and again, my parents thought they were doing something good for me. I want to underscore, I couldn't speak to this strongly enough they were very kind loving they thought they were being attentive parents but my memory of being ill and maybe this is another reason I left because it hurt me emotionally I wanted my mommy from the and I'm talking I had ear in and I suffer from many medical problems to this day because of Christian science Mm. I have scarred eardrums because I had many many ear infections as a child But if you go to your mom and dad as a Christian scientist and say, mommy, I have pain, they hand you a book. They say, you need to fix your head. And they send you away. Yeah. You don't get love. I mean, you get love, you know, you think you're getting love. Don't get me wrong. I thought I was being loved, but I remember being really, really sad. I wanted hugs. I wanted, you know, I wanted the things that most children get where, you know, you get, you know, you get to cuddle in your mom's lap and you get your hair stroked and you, you know, things I did for my kids, you know, a, a cold compress on their forehead and yeah, comfort. You know, someone checking in on them constantly to make sure they're okay. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> love and attention and nurturing, but in Christian science, they're not allowed to acknowledge it because that would make it they honestly think that they're doing the right thing they honestly think that they would cause you harm if they talked about it what's actually hurting you um they will enough to go oh an ear thing maybe you're just not hearing that god loves you you know what i mean they try to interpret it in some really yeah they try to try to louise hay it (laughs) yeah to come yeah come to some oh my god she triggers me so much yeah come to some (laughs) some you know profound truth like find the truth that it is you're not understanding so that you will be healed yeah you know because you haven't been listening so (laughs) something Um, absurd (laughs) that has nothing to do with it it's a bacteria or a virus like pills help yeah Uh, um and you know so I I had this vision of her and I didn't see her when she was sick because no one would see like they I am sure they did with her what they did with me is they isolated her so I have this vision of her languishing away on a couch and being ignored as she died yeah and suffered and the thought of this child being ignored 
for a week while she was dying by the people who loved her mm. is so fucked up. Yeah. I mean, and even if she was going to die anyway, do you know what I mean? Even if it was something that wasn't preventable, but, but, you know, in a, in a 16 year old, I mean, she was in, she was very healthy, very sports oriented, really vigorous, vital young woman. The odds that it was something like meningitis or something else where she could have just gotten a shot and been fine is very high. Yeah. It's extremely unlikely that yeah, a most people that go person... to Mexico and, and come back really sick, it's a bacteria. Yeah, which happens to me. I, I get sick every time I go to Mexico. <laughs> but I a don't know. Most people, I mean, it I hate difference. to say it, but most Americans get sick when they go to Mexico. And it's something yeah. very solvable. Yeah. The odds that, that her death was not preventable are pretty slim, slim. Low. Yeah. Very low. And that it hurts my heart <laughs> it hurts my heart yeah um so you know there was no way in fact my first doctor husband was a doctor and my mom amusingly said you're just marrying him to make me mad <laughs> like, yeah you were the first person in my mind when i picked him to marry yeah. that's that's oh, right i, I was you. thinking about you yeah. um, you know and but you know, I, I, I think I did it because I was so fascinated. He was in medical school and I just so not only I, I thought he was a great guy, um, you know, but, but I was so I loved, you know, going through medical school with him. I did. I, to this day, I loved that I did that. I learned so much um, and and it was important stuff. And I'm thrilled that my children have had care and love and affection, even when they're having a hard time. You know, I wish that for every human on the planet. <laughs> Did you find it difficult to be that comforting, acknowledging mother at first? Was that sort of unnatural? I still find it. <clears throat> I still find it really hard. Yeah, I do too. <clears throat> um, and my my stepdaughter, um, who I adore, she's in fact staying with us this weekend. Um, she had, has said at time, I say, why didn't you come to me when you needed help? Oh, you're kind of scary. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know that because of Christian science, I can be intense and I tend to default to being a problem solver versus a nurturer. Yeah, me too. And 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 I don't like that. Yeah. I've had friends come up to me like, dude, I just needed someone to listen to me. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've worked really hard at unlearning that and just being a, an ear and yeah. a comfort. And I, I think I'm pretty good at it now, but it's it's been a long process. <laughs> yeah. Fixing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very it's very hard because, and I try to give myself some grace because, you know, there are cult experts that talk about us as being second generation that because we, you know, didn't experience the things that someone that wasn't in Christian science or, or cult would, you know, we, we weren't taught how to experience negative emotions. We weren't taught how, uh, nurturing that we were actually shut down literally like, oh, you're having a bad feeling. Stop. So we weren't allowed to develop, you know, healthy, emotional, 
functions the way most children are allowed and encouraged to develop healthy, mature adult functions in certain areas of emotion. <clears throat> so it, it makes it very challenging. In fact, during my, my first divorce, um, I, we were required to go through psychological evaluations. Um, um, it's often part of the divorce process. I think my ex-husband requested it because he was obviously arguing that I was mentally unstable. <laughs> <laughs> and and he didn't succeed. But um, But the interesting thing was at one point, the psychologist came to me and said, you know, you would really benefit from learning how to say you're sad mm. and learning how to cry. Wow. So I, and I, that was very profound to me because I, I didn't have that in my, my wheelhouse and, and, you know, some pretty dramatic things. I mean, he actually ended up keeping me in court for 12 years. That mm -hmm. tells you how, and, and he actually went to federal prison for kidnapping our children. So it oh, was boy. a very dramatic, Yeah, <laughs> I had reasons to cry, um, <laughs> you know, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't um, because I hadn't been, you know, allowed that. Um, so I was still learning. And even now I have learned how to like, you know, a moment ago, like I got choked up, but that's, you know, it's very difficult for me. I have to go, oh, I'm feeling sadness. Okay. Like try, try not to block that. It's really hard not to. It's really hard, really hard. Um, but it's, it's important, especially if you want, you know, people to understand that you have empathy, that you want to be with them and their emotions, that you do feel emotions. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, I mean, nothing makes me more, feel more validated than when a friend comes to me for comfort. Isn't that? Yeah, exactly. That never used to happen because I was the scary one, you know? Yeah. yeah and now yeah. that it, when it does occasionally happen now. I feel so honored, you know, I'm yeah. like, oh, finally, like I'm, I'm putting out something that's telling people they're safe with me and that I'll listen and, and that I'll make them help them and make them feel better. And I won't just shut them down and try to fix it and yeah. do all those irritating things, you know, yes. so that tells me that I'm, I'm getting somewhere that if a friend can come to me in a time of crisis, yes. that, okay, I'm doing something right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And I have the same experience where it's like, okay, the effort has been worth it. It's working, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because especially when I was in Christian science, but even probably a bit after, I don't know that I would have liked having friends come to me when they were in a crisis, you know? You know, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. that, And I, I do, I, I can see how, yeah, that it would have been scary and, and I remember when I was at print, I was the person that everyone came to when they had a problem. Mm. But I, again, I was the fix it person. The fixer. Yeah. I could make it different, better, you know, and, and so I did give them and, and, and maybe that's part of the reason that I, I was primed, like I said, I was primed to leave from a pretty young age. I, it, it did, like I said, it did pain me when that person died. And I was very rebellious. I made people, I made people in authoritative positions upset because I did challenge what they were saying. 
Um, and I think maybe that's why people came to me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say how, because it might foil some other people, but like I knew where to get birth control on campus, uh-huh. you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we weren't allowed again. That was, that was, you know, we weren't allowed to even think or talk about sex. Um, you know, really extreme Christian scientists think that, you know, children are immaculately conceived, um, <laughs> you know, if your head's in the right place. Uh, well, I, I think I've told this story here before where I, I fell in with some Principia graduates when I first moved here to Los Angeles. So they would yeah. have been there probably late 80s, early 90s. And I remember overhearing them talking about fellow Prin people who would say the scientific statement of being while they were having sex. Oh, for the love of God. Yeah. Talking about it, like, isn't this ridiculous? And we were all sort of agreeing like, yeah, that's super crazy, but I believe it. I'm sure this was a thing that people did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's. (laughs) I mean, I would sit here and say, oh, isn't that so crazy? But I was well, in I, that mindset I, too. Like, I don't know why. I'm oh, absolutely. No, I, I was there. And I do think <laughs> another thing that contributed, and this was the, so the one thing was all of the death and there was no way that I was going to do that to my children. Yeah. Oh my God. Not in a million years. And like I said, and I think that's why this doctor was so appealing to me. Yep. Um, you know, you know, um, that, that, that I needed that. You know, I needed, I needed him in my life. Um, The other reason was um, I was a Regent Scholar at the University of California and um, they have these special classes for Regent Scholars that are very intellectual. And one of them, I don't remember the name of it, but it was about religion. And the only assignment the whole year was to write this paper um, and of course, we did lots of lectures and discussions, and it was fabulous. I loved it so much. Um, but the only the only thing we got graded on was a paper at the end of the year. It was lengthy, and it was about what your beliefs were. And he said, the only way that you can be wrong, you can believe anything. You believe aliens are coming down. He didn't, he didn't freaking care. You know, God's an alien, whatever, or there is no God, whatever. But the only way you can be wrong is if you're self-contradictory. That is when, you know, a belief system is wrong is if it tells itself it's wrong, then by (laughs) definition, you're wrong. You proved yourself wrong. (laughs) And Christian science does that all the bloody time it's like we were just talking about like oh i don't believe the physical world is real yet i'm going to say the scientific statement of being to create physical babies what (laughs) i don't believe that the physical world is real but yet if i'm thinking wrong i can make physical cancer what and then of course you know some teacher hearing me say that would have some explanation very circular to make that right somehow it's not, it's not bloody right. It's just, it's just absurd. It's all absurd. And it's absurd, not because I think it's absurd. It's absurd because it says itself that it's absurd. (laughs) You know what I mean? Christian science says the physical world isn't real. Why are you focusing on it so much then? Yeah. Christian science says itself that it is wrong. So yeah, that's why I left. (laughs) Because yeah, at that same time, like once again, I hit 18 
I took this class. I had seen all that death. Yeah. There's just no way. There's just no way. So at what point did you come out and say this to your parents? (laughs) They watched it. I came home drunk. I oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I was in I was in their face. And it was funny too because some of my um fellow Pring graduates, we talked about it. It's like, you know, we would have to go because again, a lot of people don't realize, you know, it's um because we didn't believe in the physical world. And again, this is ironic, right? We don't believe in the physical world. Physical world isn't real, but you can't have caffeine and you can't have stimulants and you can't have alcohol. It's like why do you care if the physical world isn't real? So, what? So, so the fact that I was, I was drinking and it was obvious, um, basically let them know, indir- they knew, they mm. indirectly knew. I still went to church with them and stuff. It's not like I went, I'm not going. You know, I, I wasn't that kind of person. I was, I, I wanted to be around them. I liked my family. I wanted to spend time with them, but it was obvious through my actions that I was not, in fact, I think when I was 18, I was having a conversation with my dad and I was mad and I can't remember why I was mad. And he was being the usual calm. My parents never yelled. They were very serene, very calm, always quoting the Christian science. My dad said something about God and I looked at him and I said, you know, unlike you, I don't need to believe in God to be okay. <laughs> he stopped talking. Wow. (laughs) You know, I was just so over it. I was so over it. So I considered myself an atheist first. um, Because I was angry. (laughs) Um, You know, and now I don't think it matters what I believe. Mm. (laughs) I really don't. I think, I think if there's something bigger than me, it doesn't matter what, if I believe in it or not. Right. And if there isn't, it doesn't, you know, we, none of us know, no. So yeah, I just enjoy my life and the things around me at this point. Yeah. (laughs) But it's been a process, you know, because for, I, I was susceptible to a lot of crazy shit because of Christian science, you know, including Louise Hazy kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to come right out cleanly. There's often oh, these yeah. other sort of CS type things that people get involved in. I had a cousin who yeah. was raised in Christian science, who was really, really into the secret for a while. And yeah, I went down that path. I yeah, did. it's hard to I, yep. get all that. I, out. I was actually <laughs> went through the whole thing with the Rocky Mountain Mystery School. It was it was great. A lot of crazy stuff. And it was part of my process. You know, yeah. I, I just like Christian science. I got a lot of good stuff out of it. I learned a lot um, having gone through it. And I'm glad I'm on the other side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> my, I'll say my... like one of the things that I enjoyed about being in Christian science was the feeling of like peace. Oh, yeah. For me, it was very peaceful, you know, because you're really making a concerted effort every day to sort of quiet your mind and sit and focus. And yeah, and I, that was that was really a good thing for me as a kid, because I was a very anxious kid. And I lived oh, in absolutely. New York City, which was very anxiety producing. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. You know, now I know that you can get that from other things. You can do yoga, you can meditate, you can yeah. do breathing, you know, it doesn't have to be connected to 
all of which I still do. I love to go yeah, walk on the this, beach. I love to do yoga. I love to yeah, just be sit in and meditate. Yeah. Yeah. So but I don't like, have to mind screw myself while I'm doing it anymore. Yeah, exactly. But the good thing was like, I didn't have to leave that sense of peace behind. Right. I could find yeah. that in other ways that were less damaging, you know? Invalidating. Yeah. 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 So you right. never, so you never had like this big dramatic, I'm out moment. It well, unless you include that comment I said to my dad. Yeah, that was pretty dramatic, actually. <laughs> that was pretty dramatic. <laughs> but it seems like they kind of rolled with it. You know, they didn't. Um, like I said, my parents are very loving, patient people. Um, I'm sure they were terrified for me. And I'm sure they remain terrified for me yeah. sometimes. Um, you know, uh, but they have have done their best to stay in my life while being in terror <laughs> <laughs> and I give them credit for that and as a parent myself of of many children I I had three myself but I helped raised eight wow so um yeah I respect the terror involved in being a parent even without Christian science making Absolutely. you terrified <laughs> yeah <laughs> part of the job <laughs> yeah one doesn't need help yeah <laughs> But I can say this, I am less terrified than my parents were. And I think that's interesting because they believe, my family believes that Christian science makes them calmer. It does not. It mm. makes them more fearful. Yeah, they, my mother they, was a very fearful person. Yeah, it's and, very ironic because they, yeah. they are taught that they're doing the opposite. They are taught that they, this constant rumination and and constant, they call it standing portal at the door of thought. Right. This constant standing at the portal of the door of thought and monitoring their thoughts makes them insanely anxious compared to someone who isn't, doesn't think they have to do that. <laughs> it's much more easy, you know, to roll with the punches when you're not like, oh, you know. Did I do that? <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, there are so many people that that harbor these illusions that something in their life is helping with their anxiety, and it's actually causing it. Like I see it's, this a lot. It's ironic. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And it's not just Christian Science that does that. You're right. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> a lot of different things. It's like you know, if you stop doing that, it actually probably be feel better. Yeah. But yeah, my mother even admitted that she was very fearful. You know, she was full of anxiety. Everyone in our family has anxiety disorders and probably have for generations upon generations. It's just yeah. only just now I'm lucky enough to be in an era where these things are discussed and there are solutions yes. and, and tools and techniques, which there weren't when my mother was a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's it's wonderful. Yeah. I agree. And I And I will say <laughs> at least that I don't think... I don't know of any Christian scientists that go to therapists now that I'm thinking about it. They, they go to practitioners, which just double down on the standing portal. <laughs> um, yeah, that's too bad. But we weren't told we couldn't, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think. I got the would. feeling it was sort of frowned upon. It was sort of looked it upon was. as medical well, they, we in had, some they had way. Other tools, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't think of any. I mean, it's possible we knew Christian scientists that. Also I mean, went we to went to dentists but... and we went to to eye doctors, but 
beyond that, but I wasn't allowed to have Novocaine. That was the oh, other no. thing. Like, what is that? Yeah, drilled teeth drilled. That's the other thing. Ugh. Who drills the teeth of children, not allowing them to have Novocaine? It's sadistic. It's, it's sadistic. sadistic. It really is. Yeah, I, I was and that's, so disturbed. And like I, when... I, I told you about the scar. I also broke my ankle, by the way. That's that whole story of, oh, I'll teach you. I have a child who, I haven't told my parents that, by the way. I haven't told them that I found out recently that the ankle injury that I got at a Christian science camp, I actually broke it. Mm. And I was forced to hike on it and not talk about it. And I'm not, I don't even know if I, I think, I don't even think I was really allowed to say anything to my, I wasn't allowed to say anything to anybody. I was, I was tortured. And, and, and in fact, you know, you would think that they, the only person who would sit with me, and I was bawling. I was nine years old. And I have a nine-year-old granddaughter now. And I remember when she turned nine and it suddenly occurred to me that this little girl is the same age that I was. And I, and I actually broke down crying about that because I'm like, I couldn't imagine someone doing that to, to my granddaughter. Yeah. Like knowing, she, like severely injured and not only forcing her to go on these brutal 10-mile hikes every single day. And not sitting with her and not comforting her and not being with her and giving her no relief and not taking her to a doctor. And I have problems that I've only recently, so I had problems, I had pain for 10 years because of mm. that, because I got no help. And um, and I found out recently, like I said, because I actually injured my ankle again. So they x-rayed it and they're like, so we don't think it healed have you injured this foot before <laughs> it looks like it was broken previously i'm like motherfucker wow <laughs> you know but yeah so i have to do physical therapy because i can't rotate my foot like a normal person i can't rotate it at all because i've compensated for so many years because of that injury wow. that was never treated so yeah so it's there's a lot of stuff that it makes me mad, makes me really mad. Not blamey. I only person I blame is Mary Baker Eddy. Yeah. I don't I don't blame my family, you know. Um, but it, it makes me sad because of that beautiful family story about what my dad said to my mom. I don't know if I could tell them that actually they did have a child that broke a bone <laughs> and they did nothing. Well, that's just a just ju juxtaposition, isn't it? Of icing on the cake, right? This these apocryphal stories of these beautiful moments or magical things that happened versus what we now Reality. know was what really happened. <laughs> yeah, and because they're so, you know, they they defend their thoughts and what goes through their minds so valiantly. They're literally incapable of caring for injured children. Yeah. And they're doing it because they do care for their children. Yeah. And that's the, the terrible sadness to me. And, um, you know, even, and that, you know, some people say, oh, well, now, you know, they do allow people to take their children to the doctor. Yeah, but they're still feeding them all this crap. So they wouldn't know if their child was having a problem anyway. That's that's the thing that I don't think people realize that, you know, this all this, you know, ugh, makes me crazy. 
Yeah. And I have to say that this, this thing of people today being able to take their kids to the doctor, I mean, I'm happy for it. I've said that before. Obviously it's keeping people safe. It's great. But I, I, I'm picturing myself as I was as a kid and imagining what it would have been like if something had progressed so far, because of course they're not going to take them until it's like extreme. Right. Um, if, if my mother had taken me in somewhere, which never happened, I would have been so full of terror. I would have been terrified because there's there would have been already so much planted in my head about doctors, about quote unquote materia medica, about yeah, and they failing also, in some way, you know. They also, having watched how it works in Christian scientists, not mentioning any names again on purpose, they again like for example you know we were this is something else that bothered me and I was bullied for this as a child and I was the weird kid because I wasn't anytime in science they talked about disease I was exempt so I had to go to the library (laughs) you know they don't know how to recognize it when they see it yeah they don't know how to recognize that something is wrong and they're spending so much time convincing themselves that nothing is wrong all the bloody time that they like you said, unless someone's practically on their deathbed, they it's almost not within their capacity to recognize a problem because they're spending so much time convincing themselves that problems don't exist. Um, and like you said, they, they also don't avail themselves. Like a doctor can say, like, like, okay, let's use my cancer as an example. I did everything in my power to make sure that it wouldn't come back within, <clears throat> you know, the suggestions of my physician. Okay. I've watched people in Christian science under similar circumstances. They always choose the minimum intervention because they honestly believe that if, if they knew the truth in the first place, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So it's just buying them time to know the truth, which is actually what made it go away. Right. So, so they're just doing the very, very, very minimum all the time. And it's, I mean, it's one approach, I suppose. <laughs> um, but it's, it, it does make me sad because they don't believe in preventative medicine. Right. Um, that, you know, they wouldn't take a vitamin, you know, they wouldn't, they, you know, they wouldn't take, like, they don't have this is the thing that really gets me people with children that don't have Tylenol in their homes, <laughs> you know, where you have a little kid that's suffering or, you know, something as simple as NyQuil. Like most of us like, Oh, I have a cold. I take some NyQuil and I feel fine or some DayQuil or whatever the heck. And, or, and I could do that for my children, you know, Oh, they have a terrible cough. I give them some, some cough stuff and they're fine. And you know, they can do their thing. Right. Whereas, you know, Christian science children are forced to suffer unnecessarily and their parents don't even realize they're doing that because they don't know any better. Yeah, it's still I'm still wrapping my head around the concept of cold medication. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like I have to even to this day and I've been out for 40 years. I forget that I can help myself. Yeah. Oh, I have such a terrible headache. I mean, my husband would be like, did you take something for it? Like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Can I? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, my husband is really good about the second he starts to feel sick from a cold or flu, he immediately like meds up and thereby is A, able to function and sleep and all of those things you need and B, make the illness go away quicker. 
and I, I did still that, no problem. yeah have no concept of that. I'm like, what? You don't just be sick for a week? <laughs> I don't just <laughs> <What>? suffer. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I do the same thing. And it's and thank goodness I didn't, you know, like if my kids said, Oh, I don't feel well, I immediately, you know, medication helped them, made them feel better. But for some reason I can't do that for myself. Yeah. It's, so strange. it's, it's an odd thing. I mean it's I I'd rather it be that way than the opposite, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah. I'm so glad that my children never suffered like I did. Yeah. So glad. And again, I I hesitate to say that because I don't want my, you know, anyone to think I feel like, you know, that my, my parents were bad somehow, you know what I mean? Because they, they were so, they were doting, wonderful people. But man. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, just like my mother, they genuinely thought this was the best thing. And that we're yeah. giving this child this incredible gift of this truth or knowledge or however Even they want to faster and it. quicker and better and more effective than medicine yeah yeah that it was better and if we really got it right we would all ascend yeah <laughs> yeah so it's yeah it's so hard to to blame them i mean my mother's a little different because she did grow up in medicine <laughs> she didn't find christian yeah. science until she was in her you know late 20s early 30s so she did understand how the body worked and things like that but but I know also that she felt like Christian science was this incredible thing that she gave us, you know, and not really <laughs> gave us a lot of complexes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's worth saying that that if there's one thing I've noticed as a as a mental health professional is that I would say that very close to 100% of the people that I know that are ex-Christian scientists, and we know quite a few because we're in those support groups online, very close to 100% have anxiety issues. Yeah. Clinical, clinical anxiety, not just like, oh, I am anxious, but actually have to be treated fairly serious, you know, panic attacks like yeah. bad and myself included. And I mm -hmm. fortunately no longer probably... Um, you know, but there are times <laughs> that I, you know, do need to go get professional help myself, you know, but again, I'm 40 years out and I've been working on it a long time. There, there was a while that I had a very bad panic disorder and it took a lot of work, a lot of work to get through it. And, and I can tell you definitely it was because of the thought processes that I was gifted through Christian science that I had that, cause I thought I had to be so proactive all the time and and doing that makes you very very anxious yeah and very we were taught anxious. to and we were taught to ruminate too that's the thing and it's uncontrollable especially as second generation yeah. first generation don't have that problem but second generation we were we were forced to ruminate and we were taught to think you know constantly be solving problems all the time and until we came upon the solution and the problem went away we had to think about it yeah like I said that's what we were forced to do at Prune right like if mm. I had a problem I was forced forced physically forced <laughs> to you know sit there and think about it 24 hours a day until the problem went away you know and I and like I said I remember as a child being you know go to your room and do this thing you know forced <laughs> <laughs> so it, it became a habit yeah and it's and it's a it's a 
very difficult habit to break, especially again, like I said, second generation, we didn't, weren't, weren't raised with the normal thought processes. We were raised to ruminate, which is why I think such a high percentage of us have that problem. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that ruminating was a bad thing. Yeah. You know, it was just, to me, it was just a way of being. It didn't occur to me that this is actually damaging to you. (laughs) Yeah. It's not healthy. No. You were taught that it was the epitome of health. Yeah. And it's the opposite. Yeah. I didn't know what rumination was. I didn't know. I didn't understand the concept of intrusive thoughts. I just thought everybody's brain was like that. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to laughingly go, are you ruminating again? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Yeah. But to learn these things, to understand that this isn't quote unquote normal and or good for you, like this is something that you should probably work on stopping. (laughs) Yeah. And understanding about neural pathways and how you can actually yeah, repave them, find, repave. You know, use distraction techniques, yeah. which can help pave a neural pathway where you no longer have to think about something 50,000 times until it's fixed in your brain. Yep. <laughs> yeah, doing that, I, I came a- across that sort of concept probably around like 2008, 2009, and it was completely life-changing, completely life-changing. After a lifetime yeah. of OCD and severe yeah. panic attacks, like non-functional <laughs> periods you know I finally did a little research and found out about these things I was like hey maybe I can actually help myself I I don't have to fix it I can just go do something else yeah it's different and it's so mind blown yeah and it's different because (laughs) it's like I'm making it sound like well I had to do all this work to fix it but it wasn't it just wasn't like that I don't know how to explain the no, difference. No, I know exactly what you mean because because what people don't realize you you pave this neural pathway. So by default, you go to this circuit where I have to fix it, I have to fix it, I have to fix it, I have to fix it. And so it takes effort one to get out of that just far enough to go, "Oh shit, I'm doing it again." They that alone is hard. Yeah. Cuz you're so in it, you don't realize you're doing it. <laughs> so just to get out just far enough to go, "Oh, I'm doing that." And then you know, create the new habit of, oh, I'm doing that. Now I'm going to, now I have to do, I'm going to do something to stop it. Cause sometimes even if you do find a distract, you still are doing it. So it's like, it it takes a lot of effort to do, cause this is automatic. It's as Mm -hmm. automatic as breathing. Yeah. So like to, to hold your breath, you have to focus. (laughs) So, so it's the same thing. You're basically holding your mental breath, you know, and it takes, but eventually, you know, you can make a new habit where you don't default to that every time there's a problem, you know, and like we were discussing earlier, problems happen every day. Yeah. You know, shit happens. Yeah. Little, life some is of long. them are little, some of them are big, <laughs> but we just have to deal with stuff. And, and, you know, learning that, and this is the sad thing is that Christian scientists have to, or ex-Christian scientists, I should say, have to learn that you know, every time something comes up, you can just deal with it. I'm like, that's my, that's just, I can what now? You know, <laughs> you mean I just, you know, just solve the problem. I just do it and then move on, you know, instead of having to go into these mental gymnastics of fixing my mind, you know, yeah. and ruminating on it until I have, you know, it's, 
it's um it's huge and such a relief yeah to realize you can just and if you can't fix it you know kind of like the serenity prayer aptly named you know if i if i can't fix it i can just forget about it yeah yeah i have to say like to me one of the most luxurious things on earth is having the freedom to just say this sucks (laughs) yeah and that's okay and that's the other thing that's crazy you mean it's okay to not be okay yeah to I admit to that something like bad that is happening you know, and man? that you have feelings about it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to not be okay, man. It's yeah. okay. I love that. It's like it's like a putting on a, a fabulous, like warm yeah. coat or something. It feels so good to just be like, God, this sucks right now. Yeah. You I'm feeling be depressed sad. today, you know? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what a luxury. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's magic. <laughs> I think one of the best things I ever saw is like I had a there's this tool that some psychologists have where it, it's a, a wheel of feelings and it has all the different adjectives that you can use to describe these feelings and realizing that I was only allowed as a child to use like these words and the rest of these were verboten you know and like oh my gosh I could actually learn how to use all of these because one thing I learned from having cancer, which was very profound, was that I was either okay or I was suicidal. Mm. And when I say okay, I mean everything's perfect. And and having gone through so so and I think some of that remember I mentioned having to be totally dramatic at print, like either either you're totally fabulous or you or the or you're if your if your earth wasn't rending at its core, you know, um, then everything was fine. So there was no in between. And so um, I had been advised by a doctor, a very intelligent person, that everybody going through cancer should be seeing a psycho- psychiatrist at the same time, mm. because weird shit's going to come up all the time, and it helps to have someone to you know brainstorm on how to deal with that. And the psychologist noted that, hey, you know, there's stuff in between, I feel great, and I'm dying. (laughs) You know, so it's okay to be like, yeah, I just kind of feel good today, or man, I'm feeling, you know, so learning about all these in-betweens and that they're all okay was, it, it, I haven't had a suicidal ideation since, mm. you know what I mean? So that was really profound to, to learn how to talk about all the in-betweens, you know, the shades of gray. Um, because again, that wasn't a gift that I was given as a child. It was always perfect, happy, you know, harmonious, grateful, <laughs> all the happy words. Yeah. You know, so Yeah very interesting and I remember once recently my my granddaughter um so again a couple generations out of Christian science now calls me and she's like and she's a teenager you know um grandma how's your how are your heart issues and I was taken aback (laughs) I'm like a you know this family member don't get me wrong my children ask me how I am you know but but this child you know asking me and she wanted the details you know and she wanted and she needed to hear the details and she needed to know what I was doing for myself and she needed to know that the medication was working and and it was 
such unfamiliar ground, um, but a very powerful experience. Like, oh, this is how non-Christian scientists do this. Yeah. (laughs) A whole other world, huh? Yeah. 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 One thing I I think I've said here before, but that I, I've noticed because I'm in my fifties also, and I've noticed how younger people, I'm going to say twenties, thirties are very open about their mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. And talk about it on Facebook a lot. Like I have friends, you know, that that post all the time about their struggles and their, you know, I don't know what you call it, diagnoses or disorders, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's great. It's, it's wonderful. Great. I love it. I'm like, you know, this is fantastic. I love it. Keep doing it. I've learned a lot. Gives me a lot of empathy for them, understanding how to be around them so that they feel safe and comfortable, you know, so I'm not just going in blind in these relationships with people not knowing that, oh, maybe they don't want to be hugged or maybe they, you know, something like that. And I'm like, you know, this is great. I love it. (laughs) I wish we had that, you know, this ability to just be so free with our personal struggles. We weren't allowed to talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone said actually truly wants to know how you're doing, you can actually truly tell them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to go, fine. Yeah. Everything's great. <laughs> yeah. And so it's partially a generational thing for sure, Some but it's it. also, yeah. um, but it's also a Christian science versus not thing because we, yeah. we have this other layer of, you can't name it, you know? Well, and I'm sure that this transparency that we see in this generation um, has contributed to some of the reason that Christian science isn't as popular as it used to be, right? Because it did play into um, a lot of the things that were admired during the day that it was created, you know, and during the times that it had its heyday. Yeah. You know, there is a reason that Mary Baker Eddy was the first female millionaire in the United States. You know, <laughs> it really appealed to a lot of people. So, yeah. And I think happy, so much happy about shiny people. <laughs> exactly. Like our parents' generation and how mm. so many of the unfortunate parenting tactics in like the 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. We're very much in line with Christian science, you know, about children oh, yeah. just being seen and not heard and wanting to make your kids tough and, and not oh, comforting them too much. I mean, yeah, it's they all didn't kind want of... to make us big babies, you know, and it's, you know, there are plenty of our peers that have that same upbringing without the same cause, right? <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that that's going out of style now. I love it. I do too. You know, that, that, that our children are allowed to be real human beings with real feelings and that they are capable of feeling depression and <laughs> you know yeah. that was unthinkable when we were kids yeah. my my mother's oh, yeah. attitude towards me was always like what's what's your problem you're a kid everything's great for you <laughs> like what <laughs> it's the opposite <laughs> being a kid is horrible <laughs> what are you talking about oh <laughs> uh, yeah you have to deal with children all day it's crazy uh, yeah <laughs> kids are monsters so is there anything else you wanted to 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 bring up that we haven't uh discussed i i think we we touched on the the pithy notes i think i think it's worth saying that um you know i was thinking about what you're talking about our children and i can see 
you know, the different, the difference between the generations. And, you know, it, it was so interesting to me to, because um, I dealt, I was dealing with a, a legacy planning specialist just recently. Mm. Um, and she was talking about how important it is um, to have certain conversations as you're, you know, planning things between the generations, you know, um, what you, you know, imagine um, you would like your life to look like as you age, um, you know, what, what you would like to happen with, you know, certain money and, and having those conversation with your parents. And it was very profound to me to think about the difference between, and again, some of this is generational, but it's, it's doubled down on because of Christian science that the conversations that sh that the the current knowledge is that it's critically important when it comes to living gracefully right and and passing down living gracefully to our kids and critical communications between generations um that my parents were nearly incapable of having those conversations because of Christian science. Um, they did not believe they were going to die. Mm, yeah. They did not believe they were going to be sick. And to even talk about it could create the situation that they didn't believe and God forbid want to happen. So not only, you know, parents growing up in the you know 40s and 50s they you know it wasn't really their thing to talk about that stuff anyway but christian science made it impossible you know not only was it wasn't really their thing it it was not okay it was literally you were literally told in church you cannot talk about this yeah no 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 um and and to note that not only have I been able to talk about those things with my children, um, but how much better off my kids are and how much more knowledgeable they are about the world and how much more capable they are in the world than I was. So not only do I see the difference in communication, um, because of Christian science, but I see how much better off the next generation is for not having had that imposed upon them. Yeah. And how much better off I am too, because my kids know these things. We've had these great conversations. I'm supportive of them. They're supportive of me. There's no roadblocks. There's no roadblocks. Yeah. There's no off, off, off uh, limit topics. Yeah, like, oh, we can't talk about that. And like, for example, I have one daughter that has is immunocompromised. And, you know, she wouldn't care if I talked about it. Ha ha ha, I can talk about her illness. Um, <laughs> whereas I can't talk about the other people's illnesses, right? Because that, you know, that the fact that I just said that would freak them the fuck out. Um, the fact that I even implied that they could have illnesses. Right. They'd probably be upset. I was talking about my daughters too, because they'd think that, that that the reason she still has it is because we're talking about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we quote unquote made a reality of it. Yeah. That's right. Mental malpractice. We made it real. 
Yep. Um, sorry, it was real first. I, in <laughs> fact, her her disease is so rare, it, it's like some bizarrely low percentage of the population. Um, I mean, none of us, and that's the reason it drives me crazy because we caused it somehow by believing in disease i don't know but it's this thing that's so rare that i never in my wildest dreams imagined that someone's skin could be rejected by their own body oh wow yeah how did you dream that up you didn't i don't know know. (laughs) you know but the fat you know she went through it was started going through that at the same time that i had my cancer and us being able to empathize with our mutual you know her life was threatened and and watching her go through that and how she was dealing with that and being able to be there for her and her being able to be there for me and being able to empathize with one another in ways that other people, you know, it was at a different level. Everyone empathized and cared and was generous um, with me, Um, but her particularly. And I was so profoundly, profoundly and deeply appreciative i was going to say grateful but i hate that word because christian science loads that word it's Ruined a christian it. science word <laughs> so, so i'm not going to use it uh appreci- i really appreciated um and was deeply touched and moved um it, it was so meaningful to me i felt loved mm. you know um and cared for um and um that's going to tear me up um mm-hmm. because that's something that you know we didn't really experienced that way uh in that same way as growing up in christian science someone who knows how you feel and talks to you about how you feel and your pain and your fear and your fear of death Mm. and acknowledges that it's real Um, I mean, that's hard for non-Christian scientists, but it's impossible for Christian scientists. Um, And yeah, I, I, I have no really, I don't have the, the, the bright words to really explain how important that was for me and how much it meant to me that I had that with my children in a way that I couldn't have it with my parents who loved me deeply um, but I couldn't have that with them. Yeah. It's like, you, you, we're lucky that we've been able to get a second chance. Yeah. You know, it's not the same cause we're not the child in this scenario, but at yeah. least we get to have that in some form, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it it underscores how important it is to be on the other side of that school of thought. Yeah. And how healthy it is. Yeah. Absolutely. So on that note, shall I ask you the last, uh, the last two questions? Um, Sure. (laughs) In your opinion, is Christian science a cult? Oh, by definition. And I, and I would like to say that I, I studied cults in depth during my master's degree in psychology and by all definitions it is um you know so i don't feel that's a value judgment yeah 
I mean, all all schools of thought <laughs> offer. I mean, people wouldn't, you know, muck around in the school of thought if it didn't have something of value. It's not a value judgment. It is a definition and it falls within the definition. Yeah. So. And then in, uh, do you think Mary Baker Eddy was a true believer or was she sort of setting this up as a con or a little of both? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> yeah, she, um, I absolutely love uh, Cather's book. Um, I I think that uh, she was crazy like a fox. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, I mentioned earlier her being the first female millionaire in the United States. Um, I am really, I, I think that, that, you know, people who admire her have reason to. Um, you know, she accomplished something that is almost inconceivable for a woman of her time and um but she was crazy i mean seriously deranged you know husband rocking her in a cradle you know thinking that you know having you know multitudes of people outside of her house you know praying because other people were out to get her and were trying to murder her with their minds mm. um you know she was she was mentally ill i mean badly and i also alluded to earlier about her you know uh doing things to um setting up new rules every time that she saw her position of power being challenged, whether it be by family, whether it be by other influential, um, you know, people, especially women in the church. Um, she, and, and I find it interesting that you don't see really see ex excommunication is not a term that's used by Christian scientists in the modern day, really. Yeah. Um, people can kind of come and go, don't get me wrong there. You know, people are, um, just by circumstance, I'm using the word shunned because I can't think of a better word. It's not a Christian science term. Um, you know, they, people can be kind of looked down upon within the church because they've gone to a doctor or, you know, or they're having a problem and it's, you know, they, they can kind of feel like they're being, sh being shunned, but, but people aren't as communicated anymore. But when she was alive, they were. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, Yes. And so she, um, she very intentionally and knowingly created circumstances that made her money and made, and gave her power. Um, and if you look, and the reason I like the Cather book, um, is because it is based on legal documents mm. and and it's heavily researched. And what is, and do you know what it's called? If you look up Willa Cather in Christian Science, you'll find it. It's, okay. It is in I kind of uh, want to read Amazon. this now. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate, it does. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really good. Um, and there's some other, yeah, it, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was actually a series of articles and magazines, which is why it's so well researched. Um, and it talks about a lot of the lawsuits and things too, that she, um, did against people. So it's, she was very, very protective of her empire. Yeah. And so I, I think it would be a very wrong for someone to think anything if you base it on reality and legal documents it's very clear that she intentionally created an empire mm. 
Um, I do think she believed everything she said. Um, but she was very ill. <laughs> she was very mentally ill. Um, you know, I also, you know, think that, that uh, some some other people who are very mentally ill, you know, schizophrenics believe everything that they say, too. It doesn't make the, everything they say good. <laughs> yeah. And narcissists. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't mean a whole lot if they just because no. they believe it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So her belief in it, I don't think really matters. Um, I think what matters is she was very mentally ill and she definitely had an agenda of, of power and control. And, and the rules changed constantly for her to maintain that power and control. Yeah. Um, you know, well, when you said earlier that the early church services did involve a certain amount of editorializing. Yeah. I, I think I knew that somewhere in the back of my brain, but I'd sort of forgotten it, that it that ended, was ever a thing. She changed the the rule when she excommunicated. There was a female pastor in New York, uh, a, a, you know, the a first reader now, but there was a female Christian science pastor, and they were pastors back then, mm. in New York, who was extremely popular, and she claimed that her child was born um, immaculate conception mm. through Christian science. Um, and so she was actually had become more popular than Mary Baker Eddy and Mary Baker Eddy was beside herself and she, um, declared that the woman was not talking about Christian science. And that's when she changed the rules that people weren't allowed to, to preach in the church anymore. And the first and second reader concept was born and that woman and her following were no longer Christian, considered Christian scientists. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember Very growing up hearing about these these sort of rival women mm -hmm. who yeah. Mary Baker Eddy would just like shut down. Yep. I do yep. remember learning that even as a kid. And I their names yep. are in the back of my head. I cannot bring them out right now, but Me neither. I remember learning about these women that were getting a little too popular. <laughs> she didn't yep. like it. <laughs> Nope. And it worked. I mean, like I said, she, she is tremendously financially successful and um, yeah, it's, and for a long time, the religion was very successful, but I do think the things that she did, you know, uh, kind of sealed its doom. I mean, who wants to, you know, listen to the same six Bible passages every single week for, you know, it's just boring, boring. I remember the first time I read the Bible back to back, because that's something else Christian scientists don't do. Whew. I was like, holy smokes, there's a lot of stuff in here I had no idea about. And they say they're Christians. How amusing. <laughs> yeah, I hear that from a lot of people coming out of Christ any Christianity is when they actually sit down and read the Bible page yeah. after page that that's sort of the end. <laughs> that's when they stop being a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop pretty quickly because it was so disturbing. Yeah, I got as far as book. Deuteronomy and kind of gave up because it just got sort of boring at that point. But I surprisingly had Sunday school teachers that encouraged me to sit down and like actually read the Bible. Well, that's and I good. remember, yeah, so I got I got as far as Deuteronomy and then I read Revelation a few times because it was just such a crazy wild ride and was so entertaining that I actually enjoyed <laughs> yeah, sure. reading it because it's so nuts. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
but yeah, it's it's batshit the whole thing, you know. It yeah. has horrible, violent, <laughs> racist. Yeah, I think that's where it lost it. me was the yeah where the whole things people selling their children and beating their wives, and I'm like, I can't, I can't. Just, no, this is so wrong. Yeah, <laughs> just nope. I'm just noped out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've talked a lot on here about how Julia Sweeney's one woman show about losing her Catholic faith was very helpful to me when I was sort of doubting. And and that's how, what happened to her. She got into a Bible study group because she really wanted to be a good Catholic and really focus on it. And and yeah. it's the thing that broke her. And, and she describes this sequence where she's driving down the street on a Sunday morning and she sees people going into churches and they're all dressed up and they have the Bible and, and she wants to just scream out of the window. Have you read that book? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so true. <laughs> and the answer is probably no. They've got the same little cherry picked, nice, nice yeah. concepts that we got that are comforting and, and, well worded in the King James version, anyway. You know, the Psalms well, and, the, and things and that whole, are just yeah. nice to read and yeah. comforting and thoughtful. And yeah, I think they return to that because even the ones that because I knew many um, born again Christians who had read the whole thing cover to cover, but it was almost the ones that stayed in it. It was just a badge of like, look, I did it. But then they return to the the concepts they like. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, again, any belief system, if you just, you know, cherry pick, you stay in it, you know, I'll just ignore the stuff that's bad and just, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to live that. I'm, I don't want to live that way. So yes, that's why I'm on the other side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been so great talking to you, Sherry. I'm glad we, we had this time together. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it too. Thank you. Like to love to hear your stories and, um, I guess I'll I'll see you online, right? Yeah, I look forward to it. Okay, thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Leaving Christian Science. Disclaimer, I'm not an expert. I'm not a historian. I'm not a therapist. I'm just an ordinary, imperfect human who had the misfortune of being born into Christian science. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the host. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional, medical, legal, or psychiatric advice.